Hey guys, this is Liz Cambay. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Esther Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. Welcome back, everybody, to another team preview episode of WNBA Nation. My name's Kyle Haywood. I've got Steve and Logan with me again tonight. Steve, you ready to talk to Phoenix Mercury today? Uh, might as freaking well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Logan, I know you and I have had a couple conversations about the Mercury, uh, and, and I'm curious, uh, I, I'm curious to, like, on a scale of one to ten, this team preview, where do you rank this on teams that you were like, yeah, we got, we got takes on this team? Oh yeah, this, I mean, Phoenix is such a boomer bust team. We could probably spend and have spent several episodes just talking about the Brittany Griner situation. Um, Diana Tarazi just earlier today has some quotes about still wanting to play for a while. Like there's, they, they probably made the biggest pickup of the offseason in terms of big names. So yeah, I mean, we're going to have a hard time keeping this under 20, 25 minutes. Um, there's, there's a lot to cover with Phoenix. And it could go awesome. It could blow up in their faces and not be awesome. So we'll see. I love it. Before we hop in and talk the Merc, we need to just let all of you know where you can find us and reach us at. Um, you can obviously, if you're listening to this, you found where to listen to us. You can find our podcast anywhere that podcasts can be found. Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, all of those. Uh, and we do have a new five-star review. Five-star reviews. <laughs> Akon, but actually leaves us a five-star review uh, that says, whether you are a life, uh, whether you are a longtime W fan or a newbie trying to catch up before regular season, this is a must-listen. Also, talking about the WNBA with men is usually painful, but these guys are spot on. <laughs> Steve, when I, 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 I saw that and, mm-hmm. uh, and I sent it to our group and, and you made a comment about, uh, about liking that review. I wanted to, I just wanted to, I, I, I haven't even asked you yet, but I guess on Mike, what, why did you, what do you like about that review? I don't know. I, I, I think I was actually comparison it more to both, uh, the, the, like there were two previous reviews uh-huh. and when you sent us a screenshot of it, there was just something about it that was funny because <laughs> I, I liked both takes. Like there was one that was like, Oh, it's like being with your friends in your living room and it's, it's comfy. And, um, and then this one is just like, guys, usually men suck at talking about the W, <laughs> but they're, they're okay. <laughs> and honestly, it's a respectable take. Like they, they're okay is about <laughs> as much respect as like I'm, I'm willing to take that because they, you know, if there's anything that we tried to prove, I mean, we, we've told the story now on stream and stuff at Waller in Minneapolis, but it, honestly, my mind went back to, uh, you know, these four former college players and, you know, women's coaches randomly wanting to play knockout against us at this fan fest event. And I think in their head, they're like, Oh, we're going to school these guys who think they're probably so much better than us. And I'm like, if there's anything I've tried to prove over the last five years. That I know for a fact, I'm not better than any of these players, <laughs> uh, and that and that I don't know more than any anyone who who puts in these coverage. And that uh, so it's kind of funny to hear that to be like, 
you know, I think there's a time in some people's lives where they hear that and they're like, oh, maybe an eye roll. But I read that and I was like, that's about as respectful of a of a rub as I think we could possibly get. People just being like, normally I I I, I get annoyed hearing dudes try and talk about the W, but they do okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pleased and honored to do okay for you guys it's every week here on the show. <laughs> I agree. That's that's our new motto. <laughs> We're pleased to do okay. Just have if we can provide fun over your expectation of us, then we're we're doing we're doing get well. Out, get out there and have fun. <laughs> have fun. Uh, let's talk the Phoenix Mercury, you guys. They finished last yep. season as the five seed with a record of nineteen and thirteen. They had a home. They actually are the first team we've talked about so far that has had a losing home record. They only went seven and nine at home and ended the regular season on a three game losing streak just prior to absolutely going on a tear through the playoffs, reaching the finals and uh, before eventually losing to the, uh, to the champion Chicago sky. So Logan, I'm curious for you, if you are a Phoenix Mercury fan, taking a look at last season and how last, last regular season went, but finishing in the playoffs the way you did, um, what are your thoughts on last season as a Phoenix Mercury fan? Do you feel successful? Do you see, did you see concerns? How are you feeling about this overperform, underperform all your takes? Let's hear it. Yeah. I feel you, you have to call last season a success. Uh, if you go into the playoffs as, you know, the five or six seed and you make it all the way to the finals by beating some good teams, I mean, they beat Vegas in an epic five game series. Uh, you, you know, you beat your rival Seattle in overtime. Um, and then you, I, I think they held their own against Chicago in the finals. Although at that point it, it kind of felt like, um, Chicago was the team of destiny. Most of those games weren't close. Um, but I, I understand. I, I feel like that run did take a lot out of them. Um, <laughs> no, I think you have to call it a good season. I know you mentioned the end of the season on a, a three game losing streak, but right before that they had, uh, they had amassed, I think an 11 game hot streak. They had it going on at the right time. Um, a lot of those were against teams that were kind of in the bottom of the standings, but it included a 20 point win over Chicago and a couple other teams. So, um, yeah, if you're a Phoenix fan, you're happy with last season. You got to see kind of the best that Brittany Griner had to offer. Obviously, we're going to focus on her a lot today, but, um, in terms of Griner, the player on the court, um, last season was really fun to be a fan of hers and of the Mercury. So I, I know just among us hosts, she earned a lot of respect after, uh, maybe underperforming. Uh, in the in the five or six years since we've been covering the league with this podcast, um, I I was really pleased with how last season went for her. And obviously, you also have the the Tarazi uh, late game performances that she's been known for um, for her whole career. So overall, a really fun season, a really successful season, um, pretty much the best you can ask for. Having a regular season that was pretty average and then exploding in the playoffs, which is exactly what you want to do. Absolutely. Steve, right now, there's been a lot of movement for the Phoenix Mercury in this offseason um, of a lot of, I, I guess, maybe not most notably, but but significant is their head coaching change uh, with Sandy Brondello yeah. moving to New York. They now have Vanessa Nygaard um, coming uh, up out of Stanford, uh, one of one of Stanford's coaches. And right now they have an assistant coach, Crystal Robinson, listed. Um, but as far as just a quick glance and without going into too much detail 
that's those are the names that I've got in front of me right now is Vanessa Nygaard and Crystal Robinson. Um, what do you think about this coaching change? Losing Sandy and bringing on Vanessa Nygaard, um, and uh, and what kind of an impact do you think that would have on this type of team? I mean, obviously the change is is tough when you have a long successful coach who, um, you know, just got done helping lead a team to a finals run, um, you know, moving on to newer pastures, you know, exciting things happening in New York. I don't know that uh, any coach um, envies that position, but it, it, I think it's exciting for a young coach to inherit this level of a team. I will say Nygaard's stock in this hire was stunted by the fact that I think for some pe- reason people just fully expected the Mercury were going to do, you know, you go on this splash trend. You know, New York picked up Rondella. You had Vegas picking up Becky Hammond. So who's it going to be in Phoenix? And when it was a name that wasn't Teresa Weatherspoon and company, all of a sudden, you know, things kind of shifted. I I like her ability to work with players. I think she did a phenomenal job at Stanford. I think it's a good coaching staff. It's interesting. It'll be interesting to see this well-mixed, well-seasoned roster with such a, you know, a coach with, with a low level of experience, how that's going to balance itself out. Um, but, you know, if there ever was a case as a coach who's coming to my first W hire and hoping to prove myself, a few people could ask for a better situation than she's about to be entering with a, a pretty savvy roster that's looking to get some things done. I'd agree with you. I think coming into the roster that Phoenix has put together this offseason is just flat out impressive. It's extremely uh, – It's you've got so many big names on this roster, and I think that – this watching this coaching change was left so many heads scratching because again the Brondello you know uh, I, I guess what was stated is that it was a mutual parting but from hearing from Sandy it, it doesn't sound like it was necessarily mutual um, and uh, so it, it, a little bit of interesting things there especially a, a coach that just got you to the finals and then you move on and, and bring in somebody new. And uh, I know that Becky Hammond and and Teresa Witherspoon were both candidates. And then after not landing those, I, I, uh, I wonder if Phoenix was putting a lot of eggs in those baskets. Now, again, I think that Vanessa Nygaard's a great coach, but um, probably not one of those uh, earth shaking hires that one of the other two names would have been. So, uh, I think that this is a great opportunity for her to come in and, and have a great roster to work with. Um, yeah. Logan, uh, really quick, ahead, yeah. I, I do have to make a quick shout out to the, to my, uh, Southeastern Oklahoma state savage storm. Yes. Uh, one of the most underrated nickname, uh, nicknames in all of college sports, the savage storm, crystal Robinson coming from Cias, <laughs> Southeastern Oklahoma state. Uh, I love it. yeah, yeah. You, if you haven't heard the name, you're going to learn to respect it. <laughs> love, Savage Storm. I love that. They really are the Savage Storm. They're the Savage Storm. It's often they'll have uh, uniforms from what I can research that just say Savages, <laughs> but it's the Savage Storm. That's so I believe awesome. they switched to the Savage Storm from 
officially the savages. Um, that makes sense. I, I, I think they're <laughs> crossing some lines with that name. So they, yeah. they switched it up with the savage storm and I just, I love it. I, I love that they were like, I don't care how many syllables are in the name of our school. We're still going to have a two word mascot. <laughs> For our team as well. We're right. going to make this as long as humanly possible, and there's nothing you can do about it. I hope all you bulldog wildcat teams out there are ashamed of yourselves right now. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, I love it. Um, the uh, <laughs> uh, Of course you're going to bring someone on to your team that is the Savage Storm when your rivals are just the Storm. You're like, oh, you're just the storm. Sorry, we got this. The savage storm. We're gonna one up you. We're gonna we're gonna one up a- you. Literally, just in your uh, team nickname. So <laughs> I love it, uh, <laughs> Logan. Before we hop into the rest of the roster, obviously, one big question that's on a lot of minds is uh, the Brittany Griner situation. Um, we don't have a ton of information, and so we're not here to talk a lot about you know, breaking news or anything. I, and, uh, you know, fingers crossed by the time you're all hearing this, maybe there will be. And, and we would love that, uh, to hear some good news on the grinder front. But, um, Logan, I'm curious her absence, at least obviously from the very start of this season is, is all but, um, pretty much guaranteed at this point. Um, because even if she was brought immediately over, I don't think she would be any, uh, in any, uh, mental, uh, you know, uh, situation sure. to, to start off the season. But I'm curious, um, your thoughts just on the situation overall and then that impact that that's going to have on the Phoenix Mercury this season. Yeah. So Griner's situation is so murky. Um, the, the best that we can tell is she's got a hearing at the end of May, which could be postponed for up to a year. Um, after her arrest, like Russia doesn't have to actually like take her to trial or anything until next February. Um, it's just, it's a mess. Um, the, it, I mean, and it's a state department issue more than it's a WNBA issue, which is obviously out of my personal depth. But my sense is that those things do not move quickly. Um, my, my guess right now is that I would not count on her playing this season. Whether that means she's even in the country this season or not, I don't know. But I, I think even if they manage to get her over here, um, I wouldn't, ex- you know, I wouldn't expect to put, um, you know, plug her into a game ready situation by the end of the season after, you know, almost a year in a Russian prison system or whatever. So, um, the other kind of prong of that that I wanted to touch on is I, it, there's a bigger weight to this than, for instance, if Phoenix would have just lost her to a season ending injury. Right. Right. Like it's, it's different than just knowing you're going into a season without her services on the court. Cause if it was, if it was an ACL, let's just say like, it would be like, Oh, like, you know, they, they went out and they made some big acquisitions in the off season and they're still a good team. And Griner played well last year, but you know, she'll be back. And I, I think that's not so much. I mean, that's a disappointment if she's, if she's out with an injury, but it's not so much like a, pressing on your mind every day as like this kind of big negative situation right. versus her, her current situation is really like dark. Um, and it's, it's tough to think about. She's got family here in the States that's trying to get her back. There's obviously tons of international political stuff going on with Russia right now that, that just kind of hangs over this whole situation. 
And it makes it tough to talk about the basketball side of things. Um, because it, it sounds, it, it's, it would be insensitive to call it a distraction, right? Like when someone on the team gets a DUI visiting Vegas, that's a distraction, right? When someone gets arrested abroad by a tyrannical government, that's more than a distraction. And I, I do think that it can have a significant impact on this Phoenix team more so than just her absence as a talented player. Mm. Um, it's going to be hard for Phoenix to keep their thoughts and their attention and their effort on basketball this year when there's so much, yeah. So when there's stuff that seems a lot bigger that's going on kind of in the broader picture. So Absolutely. That's, that's as much of the Griner situation as I can sum up in like three <laughs> minutes or less. Uh, Steve, I want to give yeah. you a chance to uh, add any thoughts there if you had any uh, just on the Griner situation. I'll do everything I can to keep it brief, obviously. But um, as soon as I realized we were going to talk to the Mercury, I like started getting anxiety and my eyes welled up just because I. Every single time I think about this situation and I am just me, I'm not a player. I'm not someone who knows Brittany at all <laughs> in any form or fashion. I watched her play live twice. That's about it. But even I. Just it it just fills you with this weird innate fear because it, it the truth of it is, and if, if this is strong language, I'm sorry, but like Logan's point, I, I've said that a lot tonight. By the way, Logan's point's really good. Maybe I just really oh, want nice. Logan to feel good. <laughs> um, but his point of this is beyond a distraction. I mean, she's a prisoner of war. You can put it however you want to, but that's what that it, it is mm-hmm. right now. I. Uh, the perspective we we her name recently has been bandied about in headlines again because Trevor Reed was involved in a prisoner swap with Russia very recently. Trevor Reed was in prison for four years. The one of the main and only reasons you can argue that, that he was even considered for this is because he recently contracted tuberculosis, which he had been long vaccinated for in the military. And it took four years to make that level of peace happen. Now, I don't know where this stands differently with civilian. There are some practices in play. Like Logan said, they at least have January of next year. But, yeah, I mean, if the Mercury lost all 36 games and and Brittany Griner was on American soil by the end of the season – I, you could consider it one of the most successful seasons the Mercury mm. ever had. That's the weird feeling that this is. It's been hard because it's. I went to a high school and was very closely related with a basketball team. Kyle, Kyle knows this. Whose head coach during a season died of cancer, and and I got to watch closely as that team came together through that trauma and and worked together to try and play basketball through it. And obviously anything like that is a horrific and terrible and and sad situation. This is such a unique, dark, mundane thing because it almost can feel that way in that. Obviously Brittany is, is alive and is for the most part from what sources have said, doing well, as well as she can. But Nobody can talk to her. No one truly knows what's going on. It, there's so many people with, with money and with influence who would do something about it, but can't. It's that helplessness. And you're in this weird mix of like, how does Diana Taurasi talk about, oh, do you still want to have a go at it at your age? And 
you know, do you think you have it running you when one of your closest friends is, is going through this, this horrible trauma? It's, I feel, I feel this frustration when I get on Twitter and it's so hard that you see anytime the Mercury tweet anything about a player or about an announcement or try to do something fun and interesting, anything will always be met with responses of like, you guys need to, to bring Brittany home. And it's this tough case because I totally feel both sides. Mm. And that's why like I've been, I got like, I really hit tears thinking about talking about the Mercury. Cause I'm sitting here like, how do you talk about a team who has all the potential in the world to make a title run after making a title run? And that's exciting. But at the same time, a lot of people in that organization right now from day to day probably don't care about basketball. Like it's the weird thing and the only thing that we can do is continue to find ways to empower whatever forces can make these things happen and at the same time uh you know gosh anything i say could be just a cliche but it is that adage of trying to make her proud and put the product on the court and I think if the Mercury have it in their mind to know that one, we want to win because we want to win. We're a basketball team. But if we play well and we keep ourselves in the limelight, we're keeping the discussion alive. And that's a, that's a big deal. In 2019, the Los Angeles Lakers were playing an off season exhibition in China while there was the Hong Kong unrest and the Daryl Morey tweet situation. And they were like lightly detained or at least like ground ridden in China for a little while before they could make it back home. That circulated top level headlines for weeks. Just that story. And I'm not saying it shouldn't have. Right. But due to the fact that Brittany Griner is a homosexual African American female playing in a league that some people in media don't seem to respect, the fight to keep her in the discussion is always going to be an uphill battle. And you know, I'm not saying that the Phoenix Mercury have to win to keep her in the discussion, but I know it's something that helps add to that level. And it's going to be an interesting case. You think about what the dream went through playing basketball while also advocating for Rafael Warnock, you know, to oust their own owner, uh, you know, just a couple of years ago. It, it's, it's a mundane thing. I need to cut myself off because I don't know how to close <laughs> this discussion, but it's just. It's this weird thing of like, sometimes to get the break, all you want to do is talk about basketball. And then you have those moments like, well, who gives a shit about basketball right now? It's just a weird Absolutely. time. It really and, is. And I'm, that's why I wanted to hit this first because I didn't want to make this feel like we were kind of pushing this to the end. I want to hit this right kind of smack dab in the middle of, of this discussion. And as tough as it is, I agree with you, Steve, that, you know, I, I, you don't know how yeah. to stop this, com- you know, stop these comments and then be like, all right, now let's talk about, the roster, you know, it's, it's tough. And so, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I also want to say just one more thing. I'm going to make this quick, but like whenever Griner comes back, the, the, the return to basketball is, is going to be longstanding. You have to keep in mind one, something that was really uplifting and inspiring with Griner during this last year was she had talked a lot about seeing to her mental health really heavily and seeing a therapist and how that supported her, Personally, but helped her game. And obviously that type of access is probably not there for her. She's also a six, nine individual. Mm. 
in a prison system that is not accommodating for large people. I think there's going to have to be a lot of, uh, you know, when she gets home and when she, she's back safe, there's going to be an up level to see her back. The other side of things are, um, as much as people will consider it calloused in a way to try and talk about how the situation with Brittany affects the Mercury as a basketball team and their product on the court, you can't help but do that. There's no way to talk about this right. team without that. Because, the, the, I mean, we just talked about – we talked about Brittany Griner's production on the court when we talked about the Storm. You know how the Brittany was kind of the reason the Storm got bumped right. out of the playoffs. and. That's how well she was playing. She was single hand. I mean, she to me was the strongest force of that finals run. And that's why this is so mundane is at some point you have to talk about how different is this team's production? Where do they rate on the standings given that they don't have their best player? And you have to do that with an understanding of people being like, who gives a shit about basketball? And I agree. It's just. That's the thing about it is like, I, I want to get to that point, but I also want to make the point that if you're at home listening to this and you have a hard time having that discussion because you feel like it's callous to suddenly talk about how this affects the team on basketball, we totally get it. Like it's, it's a hard one to move on to, but you, the only way you can avoid doing that is just to not talk about the mercury right. all year. And that's right. not and happening. We, yeah. And, and obviously we're not going to, go that route. So, so no, with, absolutely not. with all of that being said, you all have obviously heard a lot of, a lot of our, <laughs> our thoughts and feelings on this. And to be frank, if the three of us were just hanging out, not recording, we would probably go and have in the past several hours of discussing this just <laughs> in person. We won't do that to you, the listener. However, we do think that it was well worth our time getting just our thoughts and, and, uh, and feelings out there on this whole situation. And as awkward as it is to now just say, let's talk basketball. That's kind of what we're going to do uh, is we're going to talk about the Mercury's roster and we're going to talk yeah. about their basketball. And it is going to be impacted obviously by the fact that Brittany Griner is not going to be playing um, at least to start the season. Fingers crossed a miracle that we could get her, just home. Um, so we're not going to, we're not going to worry about the basketball, uh, you know, or about her coming back this season. We're not counting on that, uh, at all. We would just, we pray that that even could be a possibility. So with that being said, the off season of the Phoenix Mercury was an interesting one to say the least. They brought in a few players mm -hmm. that turned a lot of heads. Um, in particular, probably the two, uh, the two that, got the most attention were Diamond to Shields, um uh Diamond to Shields and Tina Charles were were their two big big names yes. that came uh onto this roster that was, as we've mentioned, got to the finals last season. Um Logan, with each of those two players coming in, and we saw a little bit of a downturn of Diamond's production while she was still in Chicago. But I'm curious, um do you think uh just just your your viewpoint on those two players adding to this already very talented Phoenix Mercury roster. Um, are we starting to, to, to really uh, see the effect of maybe this new coaching staff uh, during this off season, or do you think this was something that was maybe in the works prior? 
I suspect it was in the works prior. Um, I, I don't know that for sure, but I, I think it wasn't a secret that Tina Charles was going to leave at the end mm-hmm. of last season. I think it was a surprise that Phoenix was the team to pick her up because Griner had just had such a great season. Um, but now in the present, knowing what we know, I think we can expect Tina Charles, who had a great campaign in 2021, to basically step right into that role. Uh, I don't know if that was her intention when she signed with Phoenix to, to basically be the, you know, the 1A or at, at worst 1B option on the team. Um, but she can, I mean, she was the leading scorer last year at the position, so she can step in and fill that gap as basically as well as anyone. Um, I, I mean, it's, it, uh, there's nothing about this situation with the Mercury that is fortunate. Um, so I don't want to misspeak and say that, that, that that was a fortunate pickup. But honestly, if, if you're gonna have someone step in for Griner while, while you are trying to get her back into the country, make it, you know, an all WNBA level talent like Tina Charles. So that's going to matter a lot this year. Um, it's, it's going to matter even more than we thought initially because, you know, at first we, we all had that discussion. Like when she first signed, it was like, well, who's going to be the backup? There's only one basketball. How is this going to work? Is this a super team or is it going to fall apart? And now it's just kind of, uh, like, okay, like we know how it's going to work and we know how much is going to be asked of Tina Charles and, you know, four year old Diana Tarazi. Um, but I'm excited to see them do it. And I, I think they can do it. I, I just read that article earlier where Tarazi mentioned that she still has a lot left in the tank or at least a little right. bit left in the tank and that she plans on playing for a while. Um, and one of the things she mentions is that the way that last season ended is still fresh in their minds. Um, and I had to go look it up because it had been so long, but in my head, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, Chicago kind of blew them out in the finals. That, that's what I remember mm-hmm. feeling. And then I went back and looked it up and I saw that they, they lost three games to one with two of those games being blowouts. Another one, they won in overtime and the other, they led the entire second half until two minutes left in the game. And that was, that was game four. They almost forced right. a game five and ruined all the, yeah. th- this off season is- of sky celebration and Candace Parker and, you know, all of the happy the only- Chicago fans. It was two yep. minutes away from going completely down the drain. The only example of the wheels falling off was that yep. fourth quarter uh, of game four. I remember specifically watching that and being like, I think the tank is officially on. Been a 12 point like, lead. You yeah. see it. Yeah. You could, you could physically just see the energy draining out of them and almost getting like sucked over to Chicago. I mean, that's, they were looking that good. It was, it very much was a very balanced uh, series up to that point. And if they were to find a way to maintain that or at least hold on to survive that game four, game five would have been an absolute crapshoot. Yeah. Uh, and it, and I, so I know a lot of us are probably looking at Phoenix, like maybe they made a little bit of a lucky run last year from, from the low seed that they were in at least Tarazi's mind, which works very differently than all of ours, as we know, <laughs> um, she's, She's like, we were, you know, minutes away from maybe winning a ring last year and I'm not done winning rings yet and I'm going to make another run this year. So I think you have to consider Phoenix at least a threat this year, uh, even with Griner's absence, uh, just based on the offseason acquisitions they've made and the fact that they've got one of the most killer players in W history still lining up as their leading scorer. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people would have that same kind of reaction to that playoff series against Chicago. It's like, oh, Chicago handled it. 
Two of the games were blowouts, but I'm glad you pointed that out. They were very close to forcing a game five, um, which they actually had a home court advantage. They would have had that back in Phoenix. That's right. <laughs> so they were very close to potentially being those uh, those finals champions. And so um, obviously uh, they, they still want to make a run at things. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this, this whole season plays out. Um, some, some other big names, obviously they've kept players like sky dig Kia nurse, um, Shea Petty's still around. Uh, Brianna Turner, honestly is, I still think one of the most criminally underrated players in the entire league. I think that, she has the potential to be defensive player of the year, and she's not bad on offense either. Mm-hmm. Um, just an absolutely loaded team that even uh, some of the criticism in the past was that their bench wasn't very deep. They've done some uh, some good things to to shoot to to really kind of shore that up a little bit and make sure that they've got a little bit more bench depth. So I'm excited to see what uh, ends up coming out of this Phoenix Mercury 2022 season. Steve, let's start with you. I want to hear from you kind of your predictions and where you see Phoenix finishing um, this uh, this upcoming season. Well, I'll say this much. I if, uh, if you were to ask me who the biggest impact player of this team is this year, it's actually going to be Derek Nillison, the physical therapist and strength <laughs> coach, because a lot of people talk about Diamond's downturn over the last little bit in Chicago. I would argue to say, I think it was more the output of Diamond potentially playing mm-hmm. hurt and playing banged up. And we saw Kia go out a little bit early in the playoffs. I And I look at this team and go, those are two producers that make this roster very deep right. if they're healthy. So they're very much a question in my mind. If they can come in and play healthy, we have something very interesting going uh, Brianna Turner is a top three defensive player in the league, and that speaks for itself. And just like Logan said, it's not, uh, it's not something to call fortunate. It's not something to call, but the situation Tina Charles is stepping into is exactly what she stepped into last year in Washington, having to take up minutes from an injured Elena Deladon and found a way to thrive through it. I think she has the potential to make that happen as well. Do I call them a contender? I would say that they are, you know, if a contender is, is, is a Dr. Pepper, they're a die Dr. Pepper. Like it's, it's there. Um, it just comes down to the fact that the key piece that they don't have in all of this unfortunateness is the one player who made all the difference in getting him to the finals. And. Uh, where that stands. But um, that all said, people can call me crazy. I just still see them as a top five roster. The talent just is there. Um, but maybe I'm crazy because, hey, I was crazy last year when they said they were going to win the You're championship. I was pretty darn close. I was going to say, so, I finally didn't pick him to maybe, do it. And that's what gotta, ended up being uh, <laughs> the key. <laughs> maybe I, maybe I got to ride, maybe I got to ride with the Mercury again. We'll see. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a uh, that that's kind of where I see it. I uh, their potential fringe contender, which means technically I'd be saying no, but but I I could see them landing in the five spot, and that's a decent area for them if they make it happen. I'd agree with you there. 
Um, Logan, let's hear your take on uh, how you see the Phoenix Mercury season going. A little bit of a prediction here. Obviously, not an official prediction. These are just, we're just talking yeah, because yeah. we'll give our official predictions once we have our our full season, uh, you know, preview epi- or, or predictions. Yeah, episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna stat out every game, <laughs> every award. You wait. Uh, I joke about doing that every year. I might actually do it this year. Um, I I did it. I did it three seasons ago, and uh, it went so well. <laughs> Boy, did it go well. We've literally never been wrong in the preseason predictions episode. Not um, even once. Here's the thing. I think there is a little bit of room between being a contender and being a pretender. And that room is exactly one team wide, and it's the Phoenix Mercury. <laughs> um, I, I think they're going to probably flirt with 500 all year. For as talented as that roster seems, and as, as used to seeing it win as we are, I think they're going to have a very up and down year, probably finish bottom half of the the playoff standings. They're not going to be playing at home. Um, I think they might even fall if, if things don't go their way, they could even fall below kind of the upstart teams. You know, we don't know what Dallas, New York, Washington, maybe even LA. I don't really know what those are going to look like this year. But I could see Phoenix kind of getting caught in the scramble to make the playoffs at the end of the year if they're not careful. Um, ultimately, I think they will be there. But this is a team that could, I think, finish as high as five and as low as nine. Okay. Just to just to be clear, uh, I just did a bit of alphabet math. If you're talking about a team that's somewhere in between being a contender and a pretender, uh, that would make the Mercury a gin tender. <laughs> Uh, Jay, Jay and I fall right in the middle of those two on the alphabet. So, you know what? I'm okay with that. We'll call him a gin tender. Yeah. <laughs> I love doing a podcast with you. A little bit of alphabet I, I love doing jokes. podcasts with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> alphabet math. We're, we're not a math pod, but we are absolutely an alphabet I love pod. it. This is great. This is great. That's my favorite. That is 100% my favorite phrase about our show that I've ever heard. We're not a math pod, but we're definitely an alphabet pod. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I stand um, by that. I think uh, I, I may tend to be a little bit higher on this team than, than either of you. Uh, and, and I think that's okay. I think that's, that's, uh, well, I don't know. It's probably okay unless you're a Mercury fan and you've seen my history of seasons that I picked them to do well. I think these guys are a contender. Um, obviously Griner not being around is going to hurt. However, you're literally bringing in, you've, you've brought someone on. That was the scoring title winner of last season. Um, not only that, I do think that I, th- that Diamond to Shields is going to find a, a really solid footing here, um, in Phoenix. And I do think that they still have some of the most talented players in the league at their starting five. And they've addressed some of those issues of depth that they've had in the past. I mean, you're looking at starters like Skylar Diggins Smith, Diana Tarasi, Kia Nurse, Brianna Turner. And uh, Tina Charles with DeShields, Cunningham, Emma Cannon, uh, Che Petty, all coming off the bench. Like that's this is a this is a strong team. Where I have a slight hesitation, honestly, might be the head coaching position, um, just being new uh, and not having as much experience in in the WNBA, especially the last few years. So that is where I do have a little bit of uh, reserve. However, I do think that, uh, you know, Diana Taurasi is pretty much going to be uh, 
she and, and super seem to be at the level where they can just kind of start coaching on their own if, if need be. So that being the case, <laughs> I see these team, I see this team probably, um, I think their ceiling is, is taking home a title. Um, but I, I think their floor is probably right around the five seed. Um, so I would probably have my floor where, where, where Logan's ceiling is, which is good because, uh, Generally, when Logan, we've got our base. Yeah, cut. when Logan and I uh, disagree on things, <laughs> it ends up working out pretty well for us. So uh, that's what that's. Yeah, <laughs> someone's right. <laughs> they're gonna fall, according to Kyle and Logan. They're gonna fall somewhere between number one and number ten in the league. And I can, I can almost, <laughs> I would almost put an absolute guarantee on that being the case. <laughs> I don't think that they're finishing uh, eleven or twelve, considering some of the other teams in the league. So. Um, any other last thoughts that either of you want to add on this, uh, extended Phoenix Mercury team preview episode? My Dotson got a roster spot and yes. I think that's dope. Just, just <laughs> going to say that. I just, I was really happy to see that. We'll see if that maintains itself because it just feels like people can get waved mm-hmm. willy nilly, but I was happy to see she got a fair yeah, contract. Absolutely. So, um, one, one note, uh, when we did our big, like, Jersey reveal reaction episode last year. I remember not being as high on the Phoenix jerseys. We just had a lot of other fun ones to talk about. And then I watched them play mm-hmm. for a season. <laughs> Great, <laughs> dude. I agree. I, I would argue that they are like the big three in terms They're of like, really well, good. I'd say even top two. They, it, the Mercury and, uh, and the Liberty are tied with me for, I'll say this much. Those teams are tied for the best, uh, white. Oh, tops. I love the white. They both have free. And free. I, I hesitate anytime teams do a black jersey. Phoenix does a black jersey very well. Yep. Well executed. And I'll stand yep. by it again. They made a gradient work and I still don't know how <laughs> and I respect the hell out of it. Almost no team has ever made a gradient it's work and they the only they exception it. to the rule. <laughs> Another another uh, pro team that I do have to call out that did make one recently is the North Carolina Courage in the NWSL. They have a home kit that has a – it's more gradual gradient and it's darker colors, so it's kind of cheating, but it does sort of work. But the Mercury actually took a design that's never worked on a uniform and made it beautiful. And I just – I respect them for that forever. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to our Phoenix Mercury team preview episode. Uh, make sure you're hitting us up on all of our socials. You can check out WNBANation.com for all of our other content as well as our blog and, uh, and our merch store, which actually is so much fun. And I already, um, am spending much more than, uh, I probably should just on, on the merchandise there. Yes. Uh, so make sure you're checking that out. Yes. But for WNBA Nation, I'm Kyle Haywood. And I'm Steve Schurzberg. I'm Logan Jones. And we catch you next time. No, I'll see you later, you